Welcome back to another episode of It's About Time, DZ Sports Podcast. My name is Nate. I'll be uh, steering the ship for today's episode. Josh is off again. Work has just been pounding him. He'll be back though soon, I promise. We almost got him yesterday and uh, something came up. But we will uh, we'll be back together again soon, I promise, for those of you that are waiting for Josh to come back. Um, big news today. Today is February 19th. It's uh, the evening of February 19th, which is a Tuesday. Big news today. Manny Machado got his, got his big deal. He signed. He is a San Diego Padre, which is uh, kind of weird to say. Uh, we're going to dig into that first. Uh, we're going to talk about what the White Sox offered Manny. What I would have done if I was Manny. Uh, the funny thing about Manny is I just read this right before jumping on. Apparently one of his big gripes about playing in L.A. last year, the second half of the season, is he didn't like playing on the West Coast. Well, he just signed up to play 10 years on the West Coast, at least the next five. He's got an opt-out after year five. Uh, big signing for the Padres. They came out of, I, I really think, out of left field. I know that they were interested in Bryce a couple weeks ago. Nobody really thought that they'd be these kind of big spenders. Again, they had a big splash last year with Eric Cosmer. Uh, they're building a nice little lineup there. Their pitching staff is still a couple years away. I don't think this makes them a contender this year. We're going to get into all of that. We'll also get into what I think this means for Bryce. Um, I was really hoping I was going to do what uh, Mike Rizzo's been doing, which is only talking about the players that are in camp. I was going to do that this week. I was going to have a Bryce-free week. But with the Manny signing, I think we have to talk about Bryce, what this means for him, what teams are left. Um, and the real question that's been coming up for me, at least since Sunday, is does he really want to play in Philadelphia, which appears to be right now his main suitor. And then we're going to break down the Nats. Uh, we did the starting pitching staff last week. This week we're going to do the infield, which is uh, basically all the way around the diamond. So you're talking infield plus catchers. We'll talk about uh, the players that are going to be on the bench in the new catching tandem. We'll dig into that last. It's going to be a baseball-only podcast with uh, spring training in full swing. And I am a huge baseball guy. That's what I want to do, so that's what we're going to do. But before we start, I will let you guys know that we are affiliated with the DMVSportsNetwork.com. They are a local D.C. sports website. They have great written content, a bunch of podcasts, Really, anything that you're looking for to uh, wet your beak when it comes to sports, whether you're looking for national sports, I mean like on a national platform, or you're looking for local D.C. sports, individual teams, they've got a Nationals podcast, Wizards podcast, Capitals podcast, check them out, dmvsportsnetwork.com, check them out on Twitter, at dmv underscore sn. You can also check us out on Twitter. It's about time, DC1. That's ITS, about time, DC1. Give us a follow. Let us know what you think. Uh, I know a lot of you are probably missing Josh. You miss his. Um, he's a funnier guy than I am. I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't deny it. I'm more of the uh, kind of the straight guy that comes up with the with the um, with the outline, and I I just kind of set things up for him, and then he rips it. He's so we all miss him. I miss him. Hopefully, we'll have him next week um, back as part of the dynamic duo. But for this week, it is just me again. But check us out again. It's about time. DC one on Twitter. Shoot us a DM, shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you guys. All right, so Manny finally signs. He got his 10-year, $300 million deal with the San Diego Padres. By the sounds of it, there is no deferred money. 
and he has a it's going to be pretty steady throughout the 10 years around 30 million a year and he's got an opt-out after year five year five he would be going into his age 32 season um he'll be 31 but going into his year age 32 season has a chance to make another big bite at the apple not so sure at age 32 he'll opt out but he might um nice contract for manny though i'm very happy for him um He's one of the best players in baseball. If you if you followed last last week, the MLB Network had their top 100 players right now, and I was very curious to see a few players. One, I wanted to know where the highest ranking national, who I assumed was going to be Max Scherzer, where he was, but I also wanted to see where they positioned Manny and Bryce. Josh spent the better part of the end of the season last year, September and October. And then again, the in the offseason, saying uh, that Manny was the better overall player. And I didn't disagree with him, uh, but I still said I would prefer to have Bryce on my team. Probably a bit of homerism there. I'm a giant Nats fan. But uh, the MLB Network countdown had Manny 14th and had Bryce 15th. They had Manny one slot ahead, but basically had them paired together. Ron Darling had a very good point during that segment about Manny and Bryce. That honestly, I hadn't really given much thought to, but it's a really good point, which is you can take Bryce Harper out of a four-game, five-game, seven-game series. You can pitch around him, you can walk him, and then he's got minimal impact. He doesn't really take extra bases now, at least in the last couple years. He's not a big stealing threat. You can do what the Cubs did a couple years ago in a four-game series up in Chicago. They walked him, what, 15, 17 times, however many it was. They eliminated him from the offense, and he's not going to make that huge of a difference on defense. As a matter of fact, Bryce's numbers defensively last year were among the worst among qualifying outfielders. Manny is different. Even if you take the bat out of Manny's hands, his the difference he's going to make with his glove is astounding. Uh, he is one of the best defensive infielders in the game. There is there's no denying it. There really just isn't. Um, his short his numbers for defensive run saves have gone down. Actually, he's become a below average fielder when it comes to shortstop. Uh, at third base, he's one of the best there is. I mean, you want to go back to 2013? He had 35 defensive runs saved, which is ridiculous. Uh, the last uh, last year with the Dodgers, he had eight defensive run saves split between shortstop and third base. He's one of the best defensive players in baseball. Uh, he really is, and. I really found that to be interesting. So then the question is, what does this mean? Well, we're not going to get into what it means for Bryce, but does Bryce make more than 300? I think he does because the teams that are remaining are going to be desperate enough where they're going to want to entice him to come there. The one thing I found interesting is that Kenny Williams, the the general manager or whatever he is for the Chicago White Sox, was surprised. He thought that he had the best deal on the table for Manny. The deal was eight years, 240. It was a 250 million, so just over uh, about 31 and change a year. But the big difference was in years nine and ten, there were 35 million dollar team options that vested if Manny logged 550 at bats in the previous season. So it had the potential to be a 10 year, 320 million dollar deal. Chicago was protecting itself in case Manny dealt with serious injuries, uh, protecting itself for years 9 and 10. Now just as 
something you compare it to. Manny had 632 at bats last year. So what wouldn't be a problem if he's healthy to get to 550. He chose San Diego because they had 10 years guaranteed at 300. The guarantee with Chicago was 250, but the potential was to be a higher deal at 320. Personally, I would have taken Chicago because uh, you get the higher AAV, and in eight years he's going to be 34. He could still get another bite at the apple. But also those two seasons, years 9 and 10 at 35 million, you got to think Manny's been very durable in his career you got to think he's going to get to that 550 at-bats, but he didn't want to bet on that, so he took the 10 years and 300 with San Diego. Now, if you're talking about where you want to live, Chicago is a phenomenal city, but when you talk about the weather in San Diego, that's the place to be. San Diego is a one-sport town since the Chargers have left. Manny has the potential to be, to really be a god there, to be the, the next Tony Gwynn, I guess. I mean, Tony Gwynn was kind of a homegrown guy for them, but... He has, if they have a turnaround because they have a great farm system, if they have a turnaround in the next couple of years, he's going to be the face of it. Uh, I think it's a nice move for the for the Padres. It's certainly going to help them sell tickets. One thing I saw, the last thing I'll say about Manny, I saw uh, Tom Boswell tweeted about it right before I jumped on. Tom Boswell of the Washington Post, he said that somebody had commented saying that this Manny deal really smells like the Robbie Cano deal to Seattle where basically Cano just kind of disappeared because he went to the West Coast. He went to a team that's really not a contender. And you really, you, you knew he was putting up good numbers, but you didn't hear from him. You didn't hear from him like you hear about Trout or Judge or Mookie Betts, etc. Even though uh, Cano has been one of the 10, 15 best players in baseball over the last five, six, seven years. I don't know if this will happen with Manny for a couple of reasons. One, he's going to play the Dodgers 19 times a year. Um, and I think the Padres are up and coming. I think if, unless they screw it up or their uh, their farm system doesn't pan out the way they were expecting, I think that in a couple of years, probably 2021, they're going to be a contender in the National League West. Their pitching is just too suspect right now for them to be a contender in 2019 and probably in 2020. They might be a wild card contender in 2020. Um, but this is a long play for Manny. It's a long play for San Diego. I like the deal. John Heyman did come out, and I don't want to talk about the tweets that he had over the weekend, but he came out and said there's still talk that San Diego might also go after Bryce Harper and land both free agents. If they do that, that's great for them because right now their payroll's at like $110 million, so it's still not that high. You add another 30 whatever million for Bryce, you're still at what, 140 145 that's great. They still don't have pitching. I mean, they can hit as many runs. Right now, with Manny in their lineup, I mean, Manny probably bat fourth. You got Hosmer batting third. Will Myers is in there. They're probably still the third best lineup in the National League West behind Colorado and the Dodgers. And then their pitching staff is one of the worst in the National League West. So I like the move for them. It certainly puts them on the radar. They're definitely going to They'll probably win more games this year. I don't want to say definitely, but they'll probably win more games this year. I like their manager. I like to move all the way around, but to think that this makes them a contender or even a wild card contender this year, I don't think that's the case. So let's get it. What does this mean for Bryce? Um, it's got a couple of layers to it. Uh, first off, there was a lot of talk Sunday, Sunday uh, afternoon into Sunday evening. The baseball writers, especially John Heyman, were going nuts. 
the way it seems to me, Heyman had five tweets within like an hour and a half, and they were all pretty similar. The way it seems to me is that Philadelphia made a strong offer to Bryce, an offer that Philadelphia thought that he would take. And I think Bryce got cold feet. And there are reports coming out today, who knows if they're credible or not, but that he doesn't really want to play in Philadelphia. Another thing, by the way, that Josh got right. Why would he want to play in Philadelphia? Reason why I say that, reason why Josh said that, imagine if he has a first half this year similar to the first half he had last year. His first half last year, he had 214. Wasn't wasn't that effective. His whole season, he wasn't really that effective. I mean, he hit for power uh, with 34 home runs, had 100 in RBI, but he only batted 249. Uh, he had a down season. He had a 1.3 war. If he does that in Philly, after signing a $30-plus million a year contract, he's going to be eviscerated. He's going to be torn apart, and he has to have thought of that. Not only, a lot of, not a Nats fans on Twitter right now are talking about Jason Worth spinning his ear the last seven years, telling him how much Philly sucks. I don't think that's it. I mean, I'm sure that he and Worth have talked probably even this offseason about Philadelphia. I think, truthfully, that Bryce, now that he's experienced all that free agency has to offer, and you talk about a lot of the blue-chip franchises, if you think about the Cubs because of just their name recognition, they won the World Series a couple years ago. You talk about the Yankees, you talk about the Red Sox, the Dodgers. They're not interested in him for a myriad of reasons, but they're not interested in him. So now it's Philadelphia where he's probably not high on them. They've booed him for the last seven years. Uh, Does he want to live in Philadelphia? Does he want to run the risk of being, I mean, they don't, listen, Giancarlo Stanton was booed at times in New York last year for the Yankees because he had a rough start. Same thing could happen to Bryce. Listen, Bryce had a rough start to the season last year in Washington. A rough start. He never got booed. He is beloved in Washington by most people. Not by Josh, but by most people. Beloved in Washington. The, the, the Nationals would never boo him. Nationals fans, he has equity built up in the, in, in the Nationals fan base. I think he wants. he's waiting for the Nats to come back through the door. I think he's got a credible offer from Philadelphia, probably a little bit higher than Manny's. The rumor was 10 for 310, an offer that he would take, most likely. I think he got cold feet. And who's left? Well, the teams that are talked about, I, I, San Diego landing both Bryce and Manny, that would just that would shock me. But you can't count them out, but that would shock me. Uh, the White Sox. Kenny Williams, when he was told that San Diego went to $300 million, he said, we can't do $300 million. It's just not in our, that's not in our books. So I eliminate, I eliminate Chicago. They're gone. The White Sox are gone. So what about the San Francisco Giants? Well, Bruce Bochy announced this week that this is his last year. He's retiring. The Giants look like a team that are on the verge of a teardown. Madison Bumgarner is going to be gone. Buster Posey's entering the downside of his career. You've got a contract with Johnny Cueto, who's probably not going to pitch this year. Jeff Samarja has not been, uh, has not really panned out for them. You've got a contract with Evan Longoria, who's on the wrong side of his career. 
I don't think it'd be attractive to Bryce, especially because Bochy's leaving and San Francisco has also said that they would only be interested on a short-term deal with a high AAV. So I think you get a rule San Francisco out. So who's left? Philadelphia, Washington, if the if the Nationals are even interested, and they love to throw out a mystery team. I mean, I don't know. My buddy who's an Indians fan sent me an article the other day that the Indians, maybe they're the mystery team. They did shed 20-plus million in payroll, but I don't think it was because of that. I think it's because they couldn't afford the team that they have. But the Indians are an interesting team. I mean, they've got three aces with um, Kluber, Bauer, and Carrasco. And you've got, you know, Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez. They've got a great team, a good team. And they're going to be most likely your American League Central division winners this year. But I don't think they cleared $20 million off their books to go after Bryce. I think that they cleared $20 million off their books because they can add 2 plus 2 and realize that they were on the wrong side of uh, payroll and they needed to shed money. So it's Philadelphia, maybe a mystery team, and then there's Ted Lerner. Scott Boris has talked Ted Lerner into signings before. Some have worked out. Some kind of haven't. You know, the Rafael Soriano deal is the one that sticks out in my mind as a deal that hasn't really worked out. You could say that the Matt Weeders deal didn't work out. Uh, Weeders was a great, he was a great game caller, but he was horrible. Absolutely horrible offensively. Uh, but then you look at the other side of it. Uh, they were able to deal with Boris before Strasburg hit free agency. They got a, a good deal there. I mean, maybe you could argue that it wasn't a good deal because Strasburg is damaged goods. I don't think that that's the case. Even Strasburg came out this week and said um, he does have an opt-out after this year. If he wants it, he says, I know that it's there. But right now, the Nationals made a commitment to me, and I feel like I made a commitment to them. Strasburg's not going anywhere, especially because he's not going to get $25-plus million from anybody else unless he has. I mean, if he wins a Cy Young this year, that might change perspective, might change his perspective, might change the Nationals' perspective. Uh, and then the Max Scherzer deal was kind of a late February signing uh, that Boris talked Ted Lerner into. That has worked out uh, beautifully for the Nationals. This would be a little bit different. Um, and this is purely me guessing. Purely me guessing. I have no uh, sources, although the people with sources seem to be wrong a lot, so... Saying I have no sources might actually make me more credible. But this is me guessing. I think, personally, Bryce has seen free agency. He's seen what's out there. And I think that he's realized that he's had it really good in Washington. And Josh has hit this a lot in the past. He's had, a, uh, basically, he's played by his own set of rules. He's been treated with kid gloves. The media has handled him well. He's had very little friction here in Washington outside of maybe the Jonathan Papelbon situation, which the Nationals, I think, handled as best as they could once it happened. And I think that he's having a hard time thinking that he's going to leave the friendly confines of D.C. and go somewhere where that might not be the case, where he might be a high-priced player but might not be the, uh, the savior or the face of the franchise somebody that's going to play by a different set of rules. Tom Boswell had an article last week where basically he, he kind of took a hatchet to Bryce. It was a bit of a hatchet job, and he said, it's hard when your star player is playing by one set of rules. and He can't go 10 days without misplaying a ball in the outfield. 
missing a cutoff man, uh, having a base running error, not running at a ground ball. It's hard when you have one player doing that to ask the other 24 players to play the game right. Uh, and that has been the case. I mean, Josh, I, I hate to keep going back to this, but he has been right a lot this offseason. He has, he said, you know, Trey Turner got benched last year for not running out of ground ball. Uh, it's happened in the past. Bryce just seems to get a talking to, and then that's the end of it. So he's comfortable. He's comfortable here, and he's probably hoping that Boris can talk Ted Lerner into helping him save face, helping him come back to Washington. Does Boris have any magic left with Ted Lerner? I don't know. Ted Lerner is not running the team anymore. He's kind of he's still the owner, but his son is Mark is running the team. I don't know. Um, and the other question is: Should the Nationals want him back? Power wise, the Nats would love to add him to the lineup. Defensively, you're better off with the outfield that you have. Base running, you're probably better off with the outfield that you have. Payroll wise. Anybody that says, and I've seen this a lot in the media, that fans shouldn't be thinking about the luxury tax because it's not their problem, it's ownership's problem. Well, here's why I think about the luxury tax. If the Nationals are 30 or $40 million over the luxury tax and it's costing them an additional $25, $30 million a year in basically dead money that they have to pay to the Major League Baseball because they're over the luxury tax, that's $25, $30 million a year they can't spend to make the team better. And by saying that adding Bryce this year for the next 10, the Nationals are all set. They're not. I mean, they've got great young talent, Juan Soto, Victor Robles, Trey Turner. But they're not. They're going to want to sign people. You're going to want to extend Rendon. Down the line, you're going to want to extend Trey Turner. They're not all set. And if signing Bryce Harper hinders them because of the commitment to the luxury tax or because that's all the money that the learners are willing to spend, that would bother me with them with them signing him. I'm in a weird position with Bryce. I've there's a part of me that wants him to be a national for life. It's because of the star power. I mean, he is one of the most recognizable players in the game. He has a legitimacy to the nationals. All of those things. I want him to be a nat for life. I do, and also because seven years ago when he was drafted, everybody's like, oh, the clock is is running. He's going to be a Yankee or he's going to be a Red Sox or a Cub or a Dodger. And that's not going to happen. I'd like to, that would kill that narrative. That'd be great. And then the Nationals have really become a destination for free agents. So that really is not that big a deal anyway. But he would keep the Nationals, at least in name, legitimate. But at the same time, you've got a guy like Juan Soto who had a better 19-year-old season than Bryce did. Will probably be a better player than Bryce. Maybe not defensively, although Bryce has been terrible over the last couple of years defensively. Juan is pretty much a guy that gets on base, hits for power, and hits for average. His defense is coming along in left field, but that's not going to be his strength. Should the Nationals want him back? I've said this over the last several weeks. He's not a $30 million a year guy in my mind if you're only looking at what he does on the field. He just isn't. Three of the last five seasons, he's had a war of 1.5 or less. If he had that huge season of a 10 war when he won the MVP, aside from that, he's been an average to slightly above average player. He does put butts in the seats. I'm sure that some Nationals fans will be distraught if he doesn't come back. But to me, 
I like the Nationals where they are. I mean, if they can get him where he structures the deal that benefits the Nationals but saves helps him save face, certainly I'd like to I'd like for them to explore it. But I don't want it to I don't want it to get in the way of them re-signing Rendon. I don't want it to get in the way of them eventually being able to extend Trey. So I don't know, man. It's a weird situation. I mean, we could be looking back five years from now. Bryce could have five straight monster years wherever he goes. And I think if he goes to Philly that he's going to rake because that park is small. He's going to hit 40-plus homers a year. I believe that. And I think that a lot of Nationals fans are going to be like, I told you so. But I think it's going to soften the blow if you've got Juan Soto and Victor Robles, perennial all-stars. They could be. I don't know if they will be, but they could be. Um, I don't know, man. It's a tricky situation. Three years ago, I would have wanted nothing more than the Nationals to keep him. Now, you look at his numbers, you look at his defense, you look at his base running. Um, Brian Kenny said it best. He really has become kind of a one-dimensional guy, a guy that hits for power and gets on base. But beyond that, you know, you can take him out of a game. Take, take him out of a series if you want to. So, uh, I'm going to try not to talk about Bryce again until he signs. He, he might sign this week. I don't know. I do think that he's waiting for... The learners to come in and save the day. I really don't think he wants to play in Philadelphia. I can't say that I blame him. But we'll see. It's going to be the most interesting storyline for me, kind of. Max Scherzer does pitch Saturday on Masson. He'll probably pitch two innings, maybe three. So I'll be watching that as well. Uh, First uh, televised spring training game of the season will be on Masson at 6.30. I will be watching that as well. All right, before we get into the Nationals' positional breakdown of their infield, let's remind you guys that we are affiliated with the DMVSportsNetwork.com. That's the DMVSportsNetwork.com. They are a up-and-coming D.C. sports website. They have um, a lot of written content. They've got a bunch of podcasts that they're part of. Check them out, DMVSportsNetwork.com. Check them out on Twitter, at DMV underscore SN. Uh, we're happy to be affiliated with them. You can also check us out on Twitter. It's about time DC one. That's it's about time DC one. Uh, give us a follow. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate us. Shoot us a direct message. Shoot us an email. Uh, our email is in the uh, profile of our Twitter account. Let us know what you think uh, of the podcast. Let us know of some things you'd like us to talk about. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, love interacting with you guys. Um, this podcast is a lot of fun. I like doing it. Um, I like talking sports, and uh, it's better than me doing it in my car to nobody, uh, which I have done in the past. I'm not afraid to admit it, so I'm happy to do it here, uh, talking to you, you you, good folks. All right, so let's move on to the Nationals' positional breakdown. We did their starting pitchers last week. We're going to do the infield this week. Um, probably the area where they have seen, aside from their starting pitching, probably the most turnover. Um Returning players this year, you've Anthony Rendon at third base, Trey Turner at shortstop, and Ryan Zimmerman at first. They have um, brought back Matt Adams to basically be a platoon first baseman with Ryan Zimmerman. Brian Dozier is your new second baseman. You're getting Howie Kendrick back from an Achilles injury. You still have Wilmer Defoe. And then you have a completely new catching core. You have Jan Gomes, Kurt Suzuki, and then you're bringing back Spencer Keeboom, who finished the season on the active roster last year and had showed some flashes. I mean, for a guy that uh, is a little bit old for a young player, a little bit old for a young player. Um, he's uh, 
what, 27? He'll be 28 in uh, a few weeks. But he had a nice season last year. He had uh, he only hit 232, but he showed some good defense. He actually had a positive war. He was at .4 war, uh, which is, you know, interesting. Um, and he had uh, a four defensive run saved at, at catcher. So Spencer Keyboom, I, I, I'm sure that he was bummed out when the Nationals, you know, not when they signed Kurt Suzuki. But when they traded for Jan Gomes, he probably thought that, man, I'm going back down to the minors. I'm not so sure about that. And we're going to talk about that once we get through the infield. I think it's possible they might carry three catchers. And it's because of what Davey Martinez said this week. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit later. But let's start with the infield. I'm going to start with the guys that are coming back. And then uh, we'll move forward that way. So let's start with Anthony Rendon. A guy I like to call my perennial all-star snub, the most underrated player in the National League. 4.2 war last year. He hit 308, 92 RBI, 374 on base, hit a 909 OPS. Guy's a stud. An absolute stud. He's a wizard on defense. Um, I love Anthony Rendon. He's coming back. He's in his final year uh, with the Nationals. They're is talk that they might try to talk extension before the start of the season. I would love nothing more than that. He's 28 years old. He'll be 29 in June. Um, the talk has been that he wants a contract similar to Jose Altuve, or the contract that Altuve signed, somewhere around $23 million a year. He's certainly worth that to me. Top priority. I've been over that, over and over that. I, uh, I look forward to seeing him play not just one more year in Washington. And a stat that I heard over the last three seasons, he leads all players in the National League in doubles. He had 44 last year, Mr. Tony Twobags. He had 41 in 2017 and 38 in 2016. And when you talk about durability, which was a concern of his coming out of Rice, and he missed significant time in 2015, only played 80 games. But in 2016, he played 156. 2017, he played 147. Last year, he was a little banged up, but he still played 136 games. Uh, he has shown that he can be durable. He has three times in his career in this six seasons in Washington, three times as he finished uh, with MVP consideration. In uh, 2014, he finished fifth. 2017, he finished sixth. In 2018, he finished, last year he finished 11th. He also has one silver slugger to his credit in 2014. Anthony Rendon, the anchor of the defense in the infield. And... Um, a guy that they're going to look to a lot. A guy that they're going to look to to get on base, to drive and runs, especially now that Bryce is gone. Move from third base to shortstop, you've got Trey Turner. 25 years old. He'll be 26 in June. He also 4.1 more last year. Batted 271, 344 on base percentage, had a 760 OPS. His career OPS is 803, so it was a little bit down last year. Um, going into his technically his fifth season in Washington, but really his fourth, because in 2015, he was kind of a September call-up, played 27 games. 2016, 73 games. 2017, he played 98 because he missed a lot of time with a broken wrist. Last year, he played all 162 games. Had 43 stolen bases. Guy's a weapon defensively. Um, I think he's a very good defensive shortstop. He had two defensive runs saved last year. Um which is slightly above average. Um, I think he's better than that. He did finish second in the Rookie of the Year voting in 2016. 
Uh, Trey's up and coming. you got to think that he's going to have a better season this year than he did last, although he did play 162 games last year. Uh, really anchors that left side with Anthony Rendon. Love to have Trey. And uh, you've got four more years of him, including this year. He's eligible for free agency, I believe, after 2022. All right, your new second baseman, Brian Dozier, coming over technically from Minnesota, or I'm sorry, technically from the Dodgers, but really from Minnesota. Spent most of his career with the Minnesota Twins, was traded to the Dodgers last year. His combined 2018 numbers were not great for him. He had a 215 batting average, 305, excuse me, on base percentage, but he did have 21 home runs and 72 RBIs. But if you look at it, 2017, he hit 271 and he had 34 home runs. And you look at 2016, he had 268, had 42 home runs. So you're looking at 2015, he had uh, 28 home runs. Guy's going to give you pop. Uh, he's a better defender than most people give him credit for, but he adds a lot of pop from that position. And I think he's a nice fit. They got him on a one-year, $9 million deal. A nice fit for the Nationals at second base. And a guy that really is going to give them some stability there, I think. He's 31 years old. He'll be 32 in May. Uh, he's really on a show-me deal, so it benefits both him and the Nats. I think he's going to have a nice season for the Nationals. He'll have a lot of protection in that lineup. I think he's going to be a big surprise with them. The one question I had was, is he an upgrade over what they had last year? Well, on paper, they had Daniel Murphy, but Daniel Murphy was coming back from microfracture surgery in his knee. Wasn't really right until after the All-Star game, and then they traded him. So I think Brian Dozier is an upgrade only because Daniel Murphy was injured. Uh, I love Wilmer Defoe. Uh, he had a decent season. Brian Dozier is a better player. He's going to provide you more power. You should expect this year from Brian Dozier somewhere in the 25 home run department, 80 to 90 RBIs. He's going to help in maybe that 6 or 7 spot in the lineup to drive in runs. Something it's going to help you know really elongate that lineup, which is something that they had a hard time doing last year with the injuries that they had um, at tough times. And then they go to the longest tenured national. He's 34 years old. He'll be 35 in September. Um, Brian Zimmerman, the face of the franchise, and he's in his final year of his contract. Uh, was drafted first. Uh, or I should say, fourth overall in the first round in 2005, the first draft pick of the Washington Nationals. He batted 264 last year with a 337 on base, had an 824 OPS, which is pretty good, but he only had 288 at-bats. Injuries got him again. He only played 85 games. If you want to look, going back to 2014, so you're talking about the last five seasons, He's played 61 games, 95 games, 115 games. 2017, he played 144, and he was an all-star and was the best season he's had since 2013. And then last year, he only played 85. Last year, he had 13 home runs a year before he had 36. Last year, he had 51 home runs a year before he had 108. Which Ryan Zimmerman are we getting this year? I think you're going to see closer to the 2017 version, and that's because they're going to limit his playing time. He played 144 games in 2017. His sweet spot is probably going to be around 100 or 110 games. Keep him healthy, keep him fresh, and keep him as productive as possible. That's why you went out and brought back Matt Adams. Matt Adams is going to be a platoon guy. Uh, but when Zimmerman's right, he's still one of the better hitters in the National League. He really is. I mean, the guy has... 
264 career home runs. He's almost at 1,000 RBI. His career batting average is 279. He's a, uh, an above-average player even at 34 years old. And he's only one year removed from 36 homers and 108 RBI. And he batted 303 that year. That's not a fluke. When he's healthy, he can play. They're going to try to keep him healthy this year. If you remember last year, he didn't play at all in spring training. He was on the backfields. He was taking BP. And people were like, is he injured? What's going on? This year, they say he's going to play more. Well, hard not to play more when he didn't play at all last year. But he's going to play more uh, to get his. I think the issue was that he didn't play, hoping to preserve himself for the regular season, coming off of 36 homers and 108 RBI. But the issue was... Uh, he didn't have his legs under him. His feet weren't used to standing for nine innings. And it cost him uh, a serious playing time. So this year they're going to... He still contends that he only needs about 50 at-bats, but he's still going to play uh, some during the spring training to get his body ready, get it right. He apparently has been in Florida, uh, Palm Springs, since uh, early January getting ready. Uh, I expect decent things from Brian Zimmerman this year, especially it's a contract year for him. Um, I don't think he wants to go anywhere but Washington, but I think he wants to prove to Mike Rizzo and to Davey Martinez that he is a viable option moving forward because I don't think he wants to end his career at 35. I think he'd like to play a couple more seasons. And to me, he wants to be a lifelong Nat. To me, he should be a lifelong Nat uh, if the money is right. So Zimmerman's your starting first baseman. Let's talk about his backup, the platoon, Matt Adams, coming back. The Nats had him last year, traded him to St. Louis. Um, last year he did 21 home runs and only 306 at-bats because he was a part-time player in Washington. His batting average was low, 239, but that's not what you're paying him for. You're paying him to hit him runs, drive in runs. He had 57 RBI. And he got uh, a 309 on base percentage, but a 786 OPS, which is well above average in the, in the, uh, in the Major League Baseball. Um, he played 94 games with the Nationals. Last year at 18 homers, and then he played 27 with St. Louis and had another three. Power lefty bat coming off the bench, platoon guy. Uh, will probably play two to three times a week, where Zimmerman plays three to four times a week. He can also spell guys in left field. I love the signing. He loved it here in Washington. He was a guy that really showed me that people like coming to Washington to play for the Nationals. He's back. He's 20. He'll be 30 years old, or I should say he is 30 years old. He'll be 31 in August. Um, love having him. He's going, to be the, he's going to be the guy in the 8th or ninth inning when they need power off the bench. That's going to be your guy. Um, and his, his stroke is so simple, so much power generated. Love having him back in a clubhouse. I really like this signing for the Nationals. And he's got a club option for 2020, uh, so he may be here a couple more years, which I love to see. Big fan of Matt Adams. And he might be your starting first baseman in 2020 if they don't re-sign Ryan Zimmerman. Let's talk about a guy coming back from injury, Howie Kendrick. He's 35. He'll be 36 in July. Busted his Achilles in left field last year. Took a false step. Blew out his Achilles. So he only had 152 at-bats last year. Only played in 40 games. Um... But he's a guy that is a super utility guy. For the Nationals, if you needed him, he could play first. He could play second. He could probably play third. I don't really think... I mean, I think you could put him out there at short. But at his age, I don't know if he'd be phenomenal at short. But he could play first, second, third. And then I think he could play left field for you. He's going to be your super utility guy. Probably the first guy off the bench to spell 
Juan Soto if he needs it. I mean, he's only 20. Uh, Brian Dozier, Anthony Rendon, um, and also one of the first bats off your bench in a pinch hit situation. Um, it's great to see how he back. He said he's full go. Uh, said that his leg feels great. Davey said that he's going to kind of ease him back in to avoid any uh, re-injuring of the Achilles. But it's great to have Howie back. Guy's going to give you professional at-bats, especially in pinch hit situations. He's going to be the guy. He and Matt Adams are going to be the d- dynamic duo. you got Howie from the right side. you got Matt Adams from the left. And it's just going to be, they're going to be the dynamic duo. If you need somebody to generate instant power, you go to Matt Adams. If you need somebody to drive somebody in with a base hit or maybe a shot to the gap, you're going to go with Howie Kendrick. Or if you need somebody to start a rally, maybe go to Howie Kendrick uh, off the bench. I'm glad that he's back. I was really stoked when they re-signed him last year. I was bummed to see him. Especially, he. listen, his injury probably led to Juan Soto coming up because they were just out of outfielders, and Soto was tearing it up in the minor leagues. So, silver lining to that injury, but I'm glad to see him back. Uh, professional guy, uh, great for the clubhouse. And a guy that's going to give you professional ABs, and he's going to get on base. Even last year in 40 games, he only hit four homers, but he 303 batting average at a 331 on base percentage. The year before with the, with Washington, he played in 52 games, 293 batting average. He had 340 batting average in Philadelphia. Uh, guy can hit. He can put bat to ball. He can hit. Uh, I look forward to having him back. His kind of the guy that kind of rose up because Kendrick got hurt is Wilmer Defoe. Defoe played almost a full season last year. He had 408 at-bats. He played in 148 games. The year before, he played in 124 games. Wilmer Defoe is going to be another one of your super utility guys. they got two guys that are super utility. Wilmer batted 271 in 2017 in 124 games. He batted, excuse me, he batted only 230 last year in 148 games. Uh, power's not really his thing. He had five home runs in 2017, had seven last year. But he's a guy that can play a lot of positions. He can probably play left or center for you if, in a pinch. He's a second baseman. He can play short. He's going to be your primary backup behind Trey Turner. And he can even fill in at third base for Anthony Rendon. Again, though, Trey Turner played 162 games last year, so needing a shortstop backup was not needed. But Wilmer... I like Wilmer as a ball player, and let's let's be real. Wilmer is going into his age 27 season. He'll be 27 on April 2nd. Um, still a relatively young player, a guy that uh, I don't really know if the Nationals see him as an everyday guy. I think that's why they went out and got Brian Dozier. But he's a guy that's going to have an impact. I think he's a guy that's probably a shoe in to make the team. Um, big fan of Wilmer Defoe, his energy. FP talked about that a lot last year, the energy that he brought to a team. I really like Wilmer Defoe. The last uh, infielder I'm going to talk about is probably a guy that probably won't make the team, but it's a guy that I really enjoyed watching play last year. He only played in, th- he played in 34 games in 2017. He played in 28 games last year. only had 59 at-bats, but in 59 at-bats, he had 276. He had uh, didn't hit. Has not had a, home, a major league home run yet, but he had he hit 276 at an on base percentage of 288, and that's Adrian Sanchez. Adrian Sanchez is 28, um, probably destined for AAA again. Um, I don't see him making the team unless he has a monster spring training. Uh, he'll probably be one of the first guys up in case of injury. 
But he can play all over the diamond as well. He can play third. He can play, probably can play short, although he hasn't in the major leagues. And he can play second. Uh, has been a pinch hitter as well. Look, is he a, a good ball player? Not yet. Uh, he's 20, like I said, 28. But I really like the flashes that I saw from him. And if he has a monster spring, he could make things interesting for Davey Martinez. But I think most likely he'll uh, he'll end up in AAA. All right, let's talk about the new catching tandem. We're going to start with Jan Gomes. Gomes was uh, a trade with the Cleveland Indians. Gomes, 31 years old, going into his... He'll be 32 in July. Last year was an all-star season for him. He hit 266 at a 313 on base, 16 homers when he was in Cleveland. Uh, had a very nice season, his first all-star season. He had a silver slugger season back in 2014 when he was 26. But his first all-star season in, 2000, in 2018 with Cleveland. He's coming over... Um, I like this acquisition for the Nationals, especially for the Nationals. They have him this year at $7 million, and then there are two team options in 2020 for $9 million, and then 2021 for $11 million. So if it doesn't pan out for him, uh, if it doesn't pan out for him here in Washington, he can be a free agent as soon as next year, and it only costs the Nets $7 million. But if it pans out, they've got him under a friendly contract for the next three seasons. Um, his defense is pretty decent. Over seven seasons, he's at 31 runs saved, defensive runs saved, excuse me, so it's about four a season. Um, nice addition for the Nats, a huge upgrade over Matt Wieters. I mean, let's not be, let's not kid ourselves. Matt Wieters, as much as I liked Matt Wieters, or I like Matt Wieters, um, A, he was injury prone, and B, I mean, he hit uh 238 last year he had eight home runs and 235 at bats he played 76 games last year 123 in 2017 with washington in two seasons he had 18 home runs he had 225 in 2017 218 so Jan gomes is a huge upgrade and in the national league in the national league where you already only have eight hitters you have eight hitters to give up another position, like the Nats did last year, where you're giving up that position, that catching position, you're giving up that position hitting-wise with Matt Wieters. It's hard to sustain rallies. When you're, when you're uh, eight and nine positions are basically dead ends, every third inning, you're basically a wash. You can't do that. And the Nats severely upgraded their catching staff. They also... Uh, they traded for Jan Gomes, but they signed Kurt Suzuki as a free agent to a two-year deal. Last year in, in 347 at-bats, he hit 271, had a 332 on base, had 12 homers. The two of them are going to combine to play you know, all the games, but I think you're probably going to see a combination where he, last year Suzuki played 105 games a year before 81. I think you're probably going to see Suzuki around the 80 mark, maybe 70, and maybe Jan Gomes at 90. Uh, but the one thing I found interesting that Davey uh, Martinez talked about this week is that he's going to use whatever catcher is not starting that night, he's going to use him as a pinch hitter, which is rare, especially in the National League. Uh, so the question then comes into, 
I mean, you should. They're going to be one of the better hitters on your team, especially Suzuki, who, you know, career has hit 258, 315 on base for a catcher that's not bad. He's got um, 114 career home runs. Uh, and Suzuki being the older player, going into his, he's 35, he'll be, yeah, his 35-year-old 35 35 season, Suzuki will probably play. If it's 60-40, he'll get the 40. Jan Gums will get the 60. But Suzuki will probably get an at-bat most games. So then the question is, do they carry a third catcher? Because you can't... It's a lot of risk using both catchers every night. I mean, what do you do if on the off chance somebody gets hurt? So do you carry a third catcher? That third catcher, if they were to carry him, would probably be, which is weird to say, but would probably be uh, Spencer Keeboom. He, uh, last year for the Nationals... He played in 52 games, and, uh, I mean, his numbers weren't stellar. He had 232. His on-base was 322. Listen, nothing's, nothing great about him, and he had two home runs. But he was serviceable as a, as a backup catcher. He's 27. He'll be 28 in March. He was serviceable as a backup catcher. Um, if they're going to carry a third catcher, he's probably, if I'm guessing, he's probably going to be the front-runner for that. Again, um, again, uh, it could be Pedro Severino, who's still 25 years old, but he had a negative 1.1 more last year. He hit 168, 254 on base. He's got an uphill climb, but it could be Pedro Severino if they're going to carry a third catcher. Uh, I really liked Spencer Keyboom. We'll see what happens, but they definitely have a dynamic now catching duo with Jan Gomes and Kurt Suzuki. The last player I'm going to talk about in the infield is probably somebody that we won't see. It's possible we won't see them at all this year, but it's also possible that we'll see them at some point mid to late season, and that's Carter Keeboom, who is a natural shortstop but is now getting uh, playing time at second base. He's only 21 years old. He is uh, Baseball America's 41st overall prospect. He is baseball prospectus's number 16 overall prospect. He is probably the Nationals' number one uh, position player prospect. I don't count Victor Robles because he's penciled in as your starting everyday center fielder. Carter Keyboom, and a guy to keep an eye out for. Career in the minor leagues. He's played three seasons down there. 279 on base in three seasons. He's hit 29 home runs, 129 RBI. He's really coming into his own at 21 years old. Uh, the youngest of the Keyboom brothers. Uh, it's possible we see him if he has kind of the same trajectory as maybe a Victor Robles or a, I don't know if anybody has the same trajectory as a Juan Soto, but it's possible that we see him at the end of this year. We might see him if, you'd probably see him if there was an injury to both Brian Dozier and to Howie Kendrick. Beyond that, you probably might might not see him until a September call-up situation. But you never know. I mean, injuries are... He was the 28th overall pick in the first round for the Nationals in 2016. Straight out of high school. Uh, guy to look out for, in my opinion. Um, but he's probably your opening day starting second baseman in 2020. That's probably his tra- trajectory. Um with Dozier on a one-year deal, that's part, that's why they didn't want to go beyond one year with anybody at second base. Um, 
so yeah, a name to keep out, keep an eye out for is Carter Kibo. So we've talked about Dozier. I do think he's an upgraded second base only because Daniel Murphy played most of last season hurt. Um, I think they, I like their bench. I, I think that this position group, the infield, is set. I don't think you're going to see them make any additional additions. Uh, I don't think they need to, to be completely honest. Um, Keyboom, we talked about. I think that the the at least Carter Keyboom we talked about. I also with Spencer Keyboom. I think if they keep a third catcher, Spencer Keyboom is a guy that they're going to keep up. The weird thing about a third catcher in the National League, you use all of your bench players most of the time. Uh, having he'd be kind of a dead position because he might play once or twice a month, but beyond that, he's just there in case one of your catchers gets hurt. So I don't really think it's a smart thing for them to do, but it's something that wouldn't surprise me if they did it, especially early in the season. The big question for me with this position group, because most likely if Rendon stays healthy, he's going to play 150 games. Turner played 162 last year. No question that he'll play somewhere in that neighborhood again this year. Dozier will probably get the lion's share at second base with Howie Kendrick and Wilmer Defoe filling in. The real question is, how many games does Ryan Zimmerman play? Um, Especially with Matt Adams, who is effective when he plays. To me, I would target Zim at about 100 games. I target Matt Adams at 62, and then you work it from there, and you see what. And I think you're not going to play, you know, Zim being a righty, Matt Adams being a lefty. You're not going to say, well, Zim will only play against lefties, Adams only against righty. That's not going to work because there are more righties and lefties. But I think what you do is you do play somewhat matchups, but you also. You cap Zim at three to four games a week. You keep his legs healthy. You keep his body healthy. Because again, and I believe this, but not only do I believe this, it has been proven in his statistics that when he's healthy, he's still one of the better players in the National League. Again, he's only one year removed. 2017, 36 homers, 108 RBI. Zim can be effective, and I think that he might be the key to the Nationals. In 2017, his offense was the key to what drove them to win the division. In 2018, him being hurt was a big thing for them. I mean, they had guys playing everywhere. They had Matt Adams playing in left field. You had Howie Kendrick playing in left field. Uh, Especially early in the season, the position players really got pounded with injuries. So... If they can keep Zim right, keep him on his feet, target him at about 100, 100 games a year starting, and then have him as a pinch hitter in the other games, I think that's the best way to maximize the guy. He's making $18 million this year. He's the face of your franchise. He's a guy that one day, in my opinion, there'll probably be a statue outside of Nationals Park for Ryan Zimmerman. I mean, that's how important he's been to this franchise. He's been here at the lowest of lows and at the highest of highs. I'd love for them to be able to get him a ring before he hangs it up. But the big question mark for me is how many games does he play? How does Davey manage that? That's going to be, in when it comes to the infield, that's going to be the biggest question mark to me. Anyway, that's all I've got. That's all I've got for today. Um, I thank you guys for listening. Remember, we are affiliated with the DMV Sports Network. Dot com. That's dmvsportsnetwork.com. Check them out on Twitter at dmv underscore sn. Check us out on Twitter at um, it's about time dc1. That's its about time dc1. Give us a follow. Subscribe to our podcast. Rate us. Send us a direct message. 
we'd love to hear from you guys, really. Um, we love that you guys listen. We love the feedback. So please keep it coming. Subscribe, rate us, all that good stuff. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week as uh, I'll be watching my first baseball game on Saturday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Masson. Max Scherzer will be pitching a couple innings. So we'll certainly be talking about that. Josh hopefully will be back next week. We'll talk with him. Uh, but other than that, have a great week, guys. Uh, good luck with the snow that's coming in less than like three hours from now. Uh, other than that, have a great one. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.